journey. We're glad that you chose to worship with us today. Uh, we really do believe that we are better together in small groups of people, and uh, we've got small groups that are meeting every single week. So if you would like to get involved with a small group, uh, feel free to head to guest services if you're in person today. If you're online, just comment the word groups on our live stream today, and uh, we will connect with you uh, later this week to get you involved in a group. Uh, Winter Jam is tomorrow, and uh, we're very excited for that. Tickets are just 15 bucks at the door, and uh, see me tonight uh, if you would like to get involved with our group tomorrow. We're meeting here at the church at 3, and we're going to head to Lexington and uh, worship with Crowder and other bands that you might hear on Caleb. Uh, going to be a lot of fun, so just see me if you have any questions about going tomorrow. Uh, next week, Journey Students is having a big game watch party. Uh, that is Sunday, February 11th, starting at 6. We're going to be uh, catering Raising Canes, uh, watching some football, watching Super Bowl commercials. Uh, be a lot of fun. So if you have any 6th through 12th graders that would like to come to that, uh, just find me for any information about that or if you have any questions. Discover Journey is something that we try to do uh, four times a year, every quarter. And uh, our next one is scheduled for Sunday, March 17th. Uh, following service. So this is for newer people. So if you are new to Journey and you haven't been to a Discover yet, uh, we would like to get you in one. Uh, they last about an hour and uh, we're going to have some light food and we're going to open up our playbook uh, to the new people here at Journey and just kind of talk about why we do what we do and our identity as a church. So we're going to send out letters in the coming weeks and uh, if you get one, you are invited to Discover. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Puxatawney Phil uh, saw his, or did not see his shadow, so we are going early for spring, and that means Easter is coming soon, really quick. We're just under two months from Easter, so we want to show off our Easter graphic for this year. It uh, looks really, really cool. And then we got our service times for Easter. Get someone here for Easter that you want to meet Jesus for maybe the first time. Uh, that should be one of your goals leading up to Easter Sunday. And it's early this year, uh, March 30th and March 31st, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 1030. Come and join us as we celebrate the resurrection together uh, as a church. Amen. Now, we're in a new series starting next weekend, and it's called Zip It. Say Zip It. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just zip it. Amen. Sometimes it's the best thing we can do. So we're going to talk about that for three weeks as we learn to kind of just watch our mouth, watch our tongue, uh, so it doesn't get us into trouble. And that means we're wrapping up our current series, What's Needed Most. Now, if you, if you were here last week, this is part two of last weekend's message. We were talking about money, talking about how, we do, how do we prioritize God, how do we give to Him first. Uh, we're going to continue that conversation. We're going to look a little bit of how to get out of debt, but really that starts with how do we give more? Let's go ahead and get started. I've had coffee. I've probably had too much. God love you. I tell you, I try to stand still best I can. We're going to have fun. I'll try to do as quick as I can and make it uh, uh, enjoyable, entertaining, but also inspirational and true. I'm going to go right out of the Bible. And uh, we are talking about making God first. That's what we're talking about in this six-week series that we're wrapping up this weekend. So part one that brought some of you back this weekend, I'm glad you're here for part two, it really was that if we will consciously try our best to give God the first slice out of the pizza pie instead of giving him the leftovers from your paycheck, if, if we will give to God first what we have in our resources, it works better. Say better? So that's part one. That That is a lot of work, and it is difficult to, you know, do that sometimes, but that's where, we're, that's where we were at last weekend. This weekend, I'm going to give you a part two, and I'm going to talk a little bit about greed. We'll talk about don't be greedy. Say, don't be greedy. 
don't be, you know, stingy, tight, wide, you know, be generous. And uh, we will get to the part here in a moment at the end talking about getting ourselves out of debt, which is a big deal for all of us here tonight, too. So, and you guys online as well. So let me start with the verse of scripture that I said was the really the foundational, most important verse of all six weeks. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. So I've memorized it. You probably have too. And it says, fear and respect of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. That's not too hard to remember. But it's hard to keep, you know, that all sorted out sometimes because, you know, we're just people. So Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 tells us that if you want to be wiser about your money and about your life and about your relationships with people, if you want to have better friends, if you want to have healthy boundaries, you're going to need a little wisdom. And if you want to get out of debt, you're going to need God's wisdom as well. So begin with God and uh, fear, respect, and honor and revere God. And that's where, that's where it really all starts with gaining God's wisdom and gaining God's knowledge. All right, so let me give you the backstory before I look at Proverbs. So I'm going to read a little bit of this, and I, I hesitate to read too many words because I'll lose you. But I think you'll get the connection here as soon as I jump into Proverbs and uh, the last lesson. I wrote a blog this week. Probably you guys who were here didn't see it, haven't read it. You can jump online. You can catch it. It's back there on the guest services. There's a printed copy of it. But the blog was from an article that I read, Are You Keeping the Right Commitments? And I got to thinking, you know, if you're going to wrap up this thing about wisdom, preacher, people struggle with keeping the, the right commitments, don't we? Yeah, I thought, yeah. And then I read, I read this is what this author told me. Almost everyone we talk to would say they're busy. And I thought, you know, that's the truth. But is it possible that they're foolishly active? Well, how might that be? How could somebody be foolishly active? That, that we believe or maybe are unaware that we've fallen victim to a life of distractions or distracting detail. If you felt like January, your brain was way too distracted or you were scatterbrained and couldn't find your car keys or whatever, yeah, that might be possible. And he goes on and he says, so how can we ensure that we are spending our life on what really counts? To be busy with what really matters. We're going to have to live by a set of greater commitments. Well, what is that? Good question. And then he finished his little thought for me, and he said, Do you know, people in the Bible had to believe that it was important to balance their business and their family and their friendships and their hobbies, and their jobs, and their church life, just like you and I. Because even in the Bible, people were really busy. Say, busy? All right, that's my first idea. you got to pick better commitments. You're already committed. You're committed to too many things. If we're going to be wise, we got to find out where are the best commitments that really matter most. And in order to do that, that takes wisdom. Well, here's another thing that I found before we go to Proverbs. Actually, I, I have a book back there on my shelf by Dr. Henry Cloud, and I've seen him in person. And Brian and I and Connie, we've actually seen him in person. And Doug Brooks, we saw him in person in Lexington at a Catalyst One Day event where he spoke. And I bought his book, and I saw his YouTube I saw his YouTube where he was describing what I really wanted to talk about tonight, that wisdom 
is needed for better balance and discovering healthy commitments and being aligned with God's purpose, we need to use focused attention. I need better focus. If I'm going to make better commitments, I've got to have better focus. And I thought, wow, that's it. that sounds good. Let me say that. Let me share that. And so this guy who's a clinical psychologist, a Ph.D. who lives in Los Angeles, and he's an author, and he's a Christian, and he's a counselor, and he's, he's, he's really good. He's a very good speaker, author, writer, and he's very smart, and he's a scientist. I thought, well, I need his advice because I'm sure not a scientist. And this is what I gleaned from Dr. Henry Cloud about focus and finding better commitments. He said, your brain needs three things. He says, I'm a neuroscience scientist, and I, I can tell you this for certain. Our brain needs three things or three ways to get focused better. Number one, our brain needs to attend to what is relevant. Or, I don't know, I guess your brain needs to be present, I guess. You know, I guess that's what another way to say it. So this really smart guy who's a scientist, a doctor, lives in Los Angeles, three things your brain needs to be better focused. You've got, you, we really need to attend, our brain has to attend to what is relevant to get you there. And then he gave an illustration. He said, that's why it's a bad idea for you to text and drive. Well, I know it's a bad idea, but I never heard anybody give me a scientific description of why it's a bad idea. And he said, because your brain needs to be present and it needs to attend to the driving and your speed and your lane and the flow of traffic, and the turn that is up ahead, because if you're not, if your brain is not on task, you lose focus. And so he says, point number two is, inhibit anything and everything, everything else except the task in front of you. Now, I'm probably going to make you upset with this because he said on the, on the YouTube video, he said the same thing. So he's the doctor. I'm not the doctor. But he said, I know I'm going to mess with you all and you're not going to like this. But this is what he said, the scientist. The concept of multitasking is 100% falsehood. It's a joke. We don't multitask. Science says you do not multitask. You multi-switch. Your brain switches, but it does not multitask. And that's why it's a stupid idea for us to try to do multiple things at the same time. And you've probably all been there. I'm guilty. Connie is talking to me, and I'm looking right at her. But the ball game is on behind me. And I'm not listening to a word she says. And I'm going with my head like this and up and down. But I am trying to multitask. And I'm switching between about every second word to what the guy said the score is at the same time. And I'm doing a pretty lousy job of it. Say amen? amen. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm talking I know what he's talking about. We pride ourselves on saying, I'm just multitasking. I've got a phone in my hand. I've got a computer open. And I've got my Bible in this hand. And I've got a, well, I've got a verse over here. I'm... No, you're not. You're not multitasking. You're multi-switching, and you're not doing any of them very well, is what he says. Okay. Number three, for your brain to really focus. He says there's only a few things in your personal identity that you really need to concentrate and focus on. Only a few things, not everything. So that takes me to where I want to go now with my outline. That's the that's the back that's the backstory of what I need to finish this series with. What's needed most before turning the page this year? Some wisdom words from Solomon in the Bible, 
and Dr. Henry Cloud in Los Angeles, they match. You and I need focused attention. Focused attention. Our brain needs to be present in one task at a time. And so the launching pad thought for everyone when it comes to our money that I started last weekend that I'm going to wrap up right now. The Bible clears the deck and says, focus. When it comes to your money, making sure God gets the first piece out of the box of the pizza pie, clear the deck, focus here. Don't be thinking about your homework. Don't be thinking about where you're going next, but focus for just a minute. And here's what Solomon tells us to focus on that I'm going to describe right now. There's some bad habits with our money that I'm going to describe. And there's some good habits with our money. There's good habits and there's bad habits. So focus and see where most of your energy is going. Good or bad habits with your money. Here's number two. Here's number two. As we give more focus... We increase wealth. When we become anxious and try to hoard our money for ourselves, we lose wealth. I'll guide you to that in just a second. And finally, the third one that we'll talk about is that we are slaves to money and debt and Actually, we're distracted. That's the best way I can describe it. That's the be I'm just trying to tell you what it says from the scientific neuroscience that Dr. Henry Cloud gave me. But I think it is that we all can become distracted. So if you find somebody that goes to work every day, you should congratulate them for their hard work. And if you find somebody that's uh, able to work and they're not working, you should stir them up a little bit and get a stick and say, let's go to work because there's a job for you. It is true, and generosity in our life, when we become better focused with God and our resources, produces more wealth. Stingy hoarding money for ourselves is not a good idea, and that's what Proverbs is about. So let me wrap this up, give you some things to fill in with this little card. Look on the screen, but here we go. Solomon tells us that there are righteous or good ways to gain money and spend wealth, and there are also some pretty unrighteous, unhealthy, un. Uh, unproductive ways that we become distracted with our money. And uh, that's pretty important for us to identify. So let me give you what the first one, what the first principle is there that goes in these blanks that you're looking at. Those who are working should be praised and those who are not should be encouraged to get a job. That's where I'm headed. Here's the definition of rich and poor. What I mean by people who are rich and poor sometimes, and those who are unrighteous and poor. What, what is the difference? Defining rich and poor, righteousness and unrighteousness, good giving and bad giving. The person who is uh, righteously poor is the person who loves God, works hard, earns a living, pays their bills, but still has a lot at the end of the month, and uh, they don't have much left over, but they do their best, and they're generous with whatever they have. So they may be poor, they may be below the poverty line, but they are serving God first. He gets the first piece out of the pizza box, and they do their very best and try to keep up with whatever it is that are their uh, cost each month, and they give away resources to others. They are still generous. That's righteous living. Even if you are living poorly, financially speaking, you're still rich in a righteous, good kind of way. The unrighteous poor, on the other hand, are people who are living in poverty but won't choose to make better choices to better themselves and help others. They're looking for some kind of scheme. They're looking for some kind of opportunity to get rich quick. And so I'm buying lottery tickets. I'm betting on that horse. I'm hoping that my team wins. And so there's this gamble. It's always a gamble. So one person may be poor, but they give to God and they give to others with whatever they have. And the other person is poor because they're always trying to hit it big. So there's that kind of person. That's, that's kind of poverty that we can identify those that are poor just because of circumstances. Then there's the richest, righteous rich that God has given to them extraordinarily so that they might give away their wealth to the world. You're not just giving to your mom, dad, or your cousin, or your girlfriend, or boyfriend. 
but you recognize that giving and getting wealth is a plan that God is blessing you with so you might bless other people. And that's a good idea. And, and there are people that help journey through our uh, struggles with uh, resources often that that happens to us. Unrighteous rich are people that are given a lot of money, a silver spoon, they're born with a silver spoon, they have a trust fund, they, have, they don't have to work, they have a lot of resources that are given to them, but they don't use it wisely. It's mostly about themselves, and they're stingy, wealthy people that don't share it with anyone, not even people that care about them. They're just uh, unrighteous. So there's good and bad ways to handle our poverty and good and bad ways to handle our wealth. Say amen? That's all that's about. Greedy is simply this assumption that everything that we have is for ourselves. That's what Andy Stanley has. That's what Andy Stanley has to say. So let me hurry. Let me drop this in. Let me drop this in the blanks again. Those who are working should be praised, patted on the back, give them a high five, add a boy, say thank you so much. I know that you're doing your best and sure glad that you go to that 7-Eleven. I'm glad you go to that stop and go. I'm glad you go wherever it is that you go, Kroger's or you go to Rulers or wherever it is that you have a job, thank you for having a job. So those who are trying their best, working, doing their best, should be praised. Those who don't ought to be encouraged to give it a try because everybody should do something. Everybody should make an effort, if you can, to produce some kind of living and income, not just for yourself, but even for others to share. So those who go to work, that describes many of you in here. And there are a lot of us that are working two and three jobs. And uh, you're, you're having to do that so, some, sometimes because of the debt that we've accumulated. We've got too much debt. And the other part is inflation is real. The cost of living is real. I was just telling Brian this week, I, I've seen the numbers this week. And this is not all McDonald's, but McDonald's in, in Chicago area. Cost for uh, Egg McMuffin... In Chicago at McDonald's is seven bucks. Now you figure that for a second. Uh, you figure the cost of living increases, and so when people say that inflation is better, it's not better for us who actually have to work one or two or three jobs to try to make a living. It's not just uh, it's not just McDonald's and the seven dollar egg McMuffin. Taco Bell is also guilty. Taco Bell, I think in Cali, California, Taco Bell for two tacos and a drink. Maybe some kind of fritter fries, 14 bucks. So 14 bucks for a couple of tacos and a soft drink. And so it is difficult because of cost of living and because of debt. And you put those two together, and sometimes we get lost in the swamp. You want to be generous, and you want to not be stingy, and you want to get yourselves out of debt, but sometimes it's a challenge. And uh, so here we are. We're living in a world today that we don't control all the levers. And we're not in charge of all the decisions, but if you find somebody who is actually working, uh, shake their hand. Start there. Compliment anybody who's going to work today. Say amen? Start there. And if you find somebody who is lazy and will not go to work, you stir them up a bit and say, buddy, you ought to get up and help us because everybody else is trying the best they can. So... Uh, wh whatever you need to do to take care of your family, I applaud you for that. If it, may, if it means working two jobs or three jobs, sometimes you have to do that. But get out of debt when you can, as soon as you can. And others who are foolishly always looking for some easy way out, try to uh, encourage them to try even better versions of themselves. Use wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. Okay, I'm going to use Proverbs. Here we go. <clears throat> Here's what it says. He who works his land... Goes to work, works at Rulers, works at Kroger, works at Walmart, works at wherever you work. I run a tow motor. I want. I have a pickup truck. I'm a farmer. I'm a carpenter. Whatever it is that you do, great. I want to shake your hand. You go to work. He who works hard, works his land, will have abundant food. You'll have enough to eat. You may not have enough, but you'll have enough that you won't starve to death. But he who chases, you know, fantasies, Proverbs says, lacks judgment. So there are plenty of people that wish it were growing on trees. If my nose were running money, honey, I'd blow it all on you. Remember that guy? But it's not. So the truth is, it's just not going to work that way. It's not going to grow on trees, and you are going to have to find some wisdom to find a way out of your debt situation because most of us are already working a lot of hours, and we're behind. 
and college bills stack up, and the next thing you know, we're going to get married, we're going to have a baby, and somebody's got to go to the hospital, and my truck dies, and i got to get another. And I mean, you just name it. And so that's the way it goes in life. We need a little wisdom. And so God tells us, stop playing around, loafing through life, and letting somebody else pick up the tab. Get a job instead. Say amen. All right, I'm making some people happy, and some people are like, quit saying that. But it's the truth. Solomon says, be wise. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. The sluggard, lazy person craves, gets nothing but the, the desires of the diligent hard worker eventually find some satisfaction. You may not ever be rich, but you can do better if you can get out of debt. And that's where I'm going to wrap this thing up tonight. We, we've all met people who have some kind of harebrained idea, like I'm going to wait on a better job. They ain't got no job, and they're sitting around saying, I'm going to wait on a better job. Go get a job. <laughs> Just go to work. Start somewhere. Say, somewhere? Heck yeah. I mean, don't, don't do that. Get some job going, and that will move to another job. And don't quit a job you got till you got another one that you can get. And uh, people just roll their eyes at us sometimes when we ask them what they're doing and they're doing nothing. So getting a job, a real job of some kind, is really wise. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, All hard work brings profit, but more talk leads only to poverty. Quit talking about it. If you need more income, then you might have to throw some pizzas after work and deliver some pizzas after work and whatever, whatever, whatever. But don't do it forever. Get yourself out of debt. So there are righteous and wise and lazy things that we can describe and discover in Proverbs. Solomon tells us, make an honest living. That's a principle to follow. Stop begging and borrowing from everybody else and... Uh, Get control of your financial future. Get on track and be a responsible person. And how should I begin? We give to God first. Say first. Yep, that's what we said last week. That's part one. And the next thing is, if you do that, if you get a job and you give to God first and you begin to figure out this wealth and debt thing and how it kind of goes together, here's number two. As a man gives, you get more. It really grows. Your income will grow. It increases if you are able to give to God first and share it with somebody else who may be sitting next to you at your table and say, are you hungry? I've got a burrito. I'll give you one. I didn't know it was going to cost 14 bucks here. Take one of these tacos. I'm just telling you, share what you have instead of hoarding what you have, and God will increase that. It's true. It's a principle that is in the Bible and Proverbs, and uh, sooner, sooner or later we all are going to realize that the world that we live in is not what you watch on TV. We're all living in a pretty fragile economy in the world today. Most people are. It's true. So be kind and friendly to the guy across the table. And if you can share something, split it in half. The kids got it right who had a Hershey bar and broke it in half and said, you want some? They're right. If you can, start with God, and secondly, start with your neighbor, if you can, and give him a part or a bite or whatever it is that you're fixing to, fixing to enjoy. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. You can't outgive God, Luke 6, 38, Larry Gates. Given it, will she be, it, given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, the measure with which you give will be poured in your, into your lap. Try God. God says, just test me on this. The measure, when you just let it all go and say it's all God's anyway, you'll be amazed at what happens next. And that's what he says. That's what Proverbs says. That's what Solomon says. Stingy is out, generous is in. <laughs> say, be generous. You are being kind of mousy now. Be generous. Valentine's is only a few days away. Be nice. Come on now. I tell you, we get it. Oh, my. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Help your neighbor if you can. Put their cow back in. Help them build a fence. The fence got knocked down. Maybe they should have fixed it earlier. But anyway, help somebody. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, for God, for, for the one who owns everything, the cattle on a thousand hill. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So you honor God by being nice to other people. 
Don't be stingy. Don't be a grump. Come on. I mean, just be wise here. It is strategic. We should pray. We should plan. And then we should share. And we can do that. When we put God first and make him a priority, that was part one last week. When we make God first and when we get our brain focused, dude, you guys are trying to do too many things. No wonder you can't concentrate on God and your neighbor. You got 15 you got 15 things you're trying to multitask on, and I just told you tonight you can't do that. That's a joke. We don't multitask. You just switch around stuff. Yeah, you're never restful. You never go to sleep at night. Your mind never shuts down. Look up here at me. You guys are sitting here with your phone in your hand like, hey, I got it. No, you don't got it. You got your phone in your hand. I'm talking to all of us. I do the same thing. We're trying to do too many things at the same time. No wonder we're not very good at any of them. Focus on a few that your one true identity as God's person on this earth. Are you a mom? Then be a great mom. Are you a student? Then be a great student. Are you a senior citizen? Then be a great senior citizen. Are you sober? Then really be sober. Whatever it is that's your identity, then focus on you and God. Make that your element of attention where your brain is present. Instead of distracted with 90 things and you never got none of them done. Say amen. Now I started moving around and I know I got louder and I got a little stronger. So it's the caffeine coming through, but also God and the Holy Spirit is in the Bible. I'm sure it is. I just read it. So here's what it says about saving and hoarding and being generous. Proverbs chapter 19. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. So be generous. And then Proverbs 6, 6, 7, and 8, just figure out that the ant, use him, use the ant. If you're lazy and a sluggard and behind on your payments, and you're not really trying, and you're not really being focused, and you're not making better, wise decisions with your money and giving to God first before you spend all your paycheck and you don't have anything left for God, well, you don't have to be the president of the world. Just go look at an ant. How about that? All you need is an ant-sized brain. Go to the ant. Consider its ways. And be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet, ant brain and all, it stores, it saves, it plans its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Say amen. I insulted everybody in the room. They're all mad at me and all of you are listening. They're like, he just called me an ant brain, but... We're all that way. Just even an ant-sized brain understands that it's better to save a little for a higher grocery bill or electric bill or when your kids come home from summer and they're not eating in the cafeteria anymore. Now they're eating out of your refrigerator. Like, get out of there. You just ate everything I had last night. Get out of the refrigerator, boy. Save a little each month before winter rises. Fuel bills get double, get triple. Save a little extra when the gas keeps creeping up. I tell you, we, we can do this, but you got to be focused. you got to have focused attention. You can't just casually say, yeah, I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about everything. That's what's wrong. That's why you're not very good with your money. Hate to say it. Me too. That's why I'll give Connie all the money. I just say, dear, i got my mind on too many things. I'm, I'm terrible. I hope she pays the bill so they come and take my car. I say, that's okay, I, you know, whatever. Statistics and research says that today, you and I, all of us who live in America, are going to have a major uh, crisis, catastrophic financial event happen about every 8 to 10 years. Somebody's going to die or have surgery, or I don't know what else. Go to college, get married, have a baby, but some, the house is going to burn down and we don't have insurance. I don't know. But that's what happens. If you're just sitting there waiting for your eight or ten year cycle and you don't have any savings, you're in trouble. Trouble? 
that's where most of our people are living right now. No savings. Nothing to do when that happens. Why? Because we're not being wise? Yes. Yeah. Starts with making God first. Give him the first piece right out of your check. Make sure you get that priority start, started. And then get focused, man. Get focused on your money, your money habits. No matter whether you have a lot or you have a little, make sure you can get focused and uh, then begin to save. Save for whenever that catastrophic kind of event happens, like the ant who's saving for winter. Uh, save a little along the way. It is a crazy idea, but it's the best thing. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. I better hurry up here. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So if you ate it all, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. If you, if you ate all of your check the first three days and you don't get a check but every other week, twice a month, you're in trouble. And that's what happens. We, we eat everything, we spend everything, and then there's nothing left. So you've got to pace yourself, and uh, we've got to plan. Foolish man devours all he has. Solomon says that's a dumb idea. And that's what's happening in our culture. We think that we can have it both ways, that we can just eat and spend and don't, you know, don't worry about it until the utilities are cut off and it's cold in the house. So that's no way to live. Crisis to crisis and really is a better way. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little, say little by little. Some of you are wealthy today. And I'm talking to some of you in the room tonight. And some of you online, and some of you that I'll see tomorrow. Some of you are wealthy, but it was little by little that you stored it away that gave you that freedom. And it is important. So don't hoard your money, share, be generous, but for goodness sakes, don't be foolish. It's fine to be, you know. It's fine to be frugal, but you don't have to be cheap and you don't have to be stingy. If you enjoy $4 coffee or $5 coffee or whatever, $5, $7, $9 movie tickets, that's fine. You don't have to be cheap, but don't be lazy. Don't be a sluggard like I've described someone who's lazy and spends it all at once. Even an ant-sized brain understands we need to save a little each day for the next rainy day and find some wisdom that God is offering so plan better with focused attention we need to have a brain that is focused on what really matters and our identity stop trying to act like a rich man very few rich men really in the world that are just really good rich men most of them who have a lot of money are broke too they spend too much too so just be you whatever it is number three when we get ourselves stuck and enslaved with too much debt, too much expense, we lose part of our life. You are not free anymore. Jesus came and set us free, so that's what happens. Proverbs 22, do not be a man who strikes hands and pledges, promises, or puts up security, makes loans or debts for other people. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. So... We've all seen that, know that. It's foolish. Buy something you can't pay for, they'll come and take it back. They'll come and load your car or truck if you don't make the payments. If you can't afford the payments, don't do it. Zero payments, zero down, zero interest. That's zero math. It doesn't work. Say, it doesn't work? It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It won't work. So buy stuff that we can actually af afford, not something we're trying to impress somebody. Proverbs 13, verse 7, one man pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, and yet he has great wealth. You've met people. They don't drive a new car every year. They don't drive a new truck every year. You might be surprised the money that they've saved because they were contented with what they had. might be surprised. That's what he says. Everybody wanting to live a lifestyle that's above their pay grade is being foolish. A wise man chooses to live a modest life within their means. That makes them truly rich. Say amen. Some of you said amen, and some of you are looking at me like, 
I am not saying nothing else. Debt will ultimately force you into slavery. You'll have to work too many jobs and too many hours. And you'll miss the people that you care the most about. Yeah. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Many times we want to be generous. We desire to be generous givers of our income. But because egg muffins cost seven bucks, you know, two tacos and a Coke for 14 bucks, we feel powerless to help other people. And so our impact is pretty small. And you wish it were bigger. Are you going to change it? Are you going to grow? And be wise? Are you going to begin? Are you going to save and prepare? What can we do when we have too much payment and not enough income? Make a plan. Work your plan so that you can get free. Don't keep adding to your expense sheet. Proverbs chapter 6. I'll read this as my last Proverbs verse. Dear friend, here's his advice. If you've gone into hock with your neighbor or locked yourself into a deal with a stranger, if you've impulsively promised the shirt off your back and now find yourself shivering out in the cold, friend, don't waste a minute. Get yourself out of that mess. You're in that man's clutches. Go put on a long face. Act desperate. Don't procrastinate. There's no time to lose. Run like a deer from the hunter. Fly like a bird from the trapper. Bottom line, get out of debt. Sooner the better. Whatever the sacrifice that you have to make today, give to God and give to others. Save more. Give more. And then you live. Then you really live in confidence and sleep and have peace at night. Dave Ramsey says in Financial Peace University, which we have taught and shared at Journey and other churches as well, Dave Ramsey says we need to begin to live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else. You want to live the high life? Then save along the way and prepare for the future and be generous to God first and to your neighbor and to others. And so living frugal... And living sensibly and living within your means is really wise. Say amen? Yeah. Let's go ahead and pass the communion. And I'm going to read a scripture here from Ephesians chapter 2 again. We're going to take communion. And I hope we're going to ask God to help us get focused. Because that's what we want to focus on. Your brain needs to focus on just one thing as we take communion. And that is Jesus loves you that's what the cross is all about yeah so don't worry so much about your house payment or your car payment or I mean those are things you'll have to work on after this message is over and but right now I just want you to focus on how much God loves you I, come on just put the other stuff down for a second the stuff that I've been teaching you tonight and talking to you about you got a few notes stick them in your pocket Pray about it. Listen to God later. But right now, just for the second that we have together before we wrap all this up, I want you to focus on how much God loves you and how important and valuable you are to God. So much so that even if you are foolish with your money, He loves you anyway. Even if you are stingy with your money, He loves you anyway. I want you just to focus on that kind of love because there's no other kind of love like that in the universe and never has been. Everybody else says, I'll love you if you'll do certain things that I want you to do or say certain things that I want you to say. It's all about our performance. Every other love in the world is based upon what we do. If you make this basket and we win the game, I, I won't, I'm on your team. I'm on your side. But if you miss this basket, I'm giving up. I'm just done with that. 
And our world that we live in makes contingency plans for loving other people, but God says, I love you anyway. Focus on that. Focus on not how much work you've got to do to get out of debt and to be wiser. Focus on how much God is going to help you do that because he loves you and will help you. That's the part to focus on. So Ephesians chapter 2, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift God gave to all of us. If you believe in God and you believe Jesus is God's Son and your Savior and you have turned yourself in and said, I'm a sinner, you're in. Not because you earned it or deserved it, because it was a gift that you got that nobody deserves or could earn. It's not by works or how you handle your money or your thoughts or your sticky fingers. It's that you discover how much God loves you. For he himself is our peace. We all want a little peace. So Jesus is where we find that peace. Don't worry about what's in the mailbox. Don't worry about the bills. Worry about God. Focus on him. Give all of your attention. Take the bread. And the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Nothing else to say. Nothing else we could do. Nothing else that we could plead mercy about. We just need to say thank you, God, for loving me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Drop the cups there in the basket. You guys who are home, man of goodness, I hope this helped and hope you worship with us and come back again. Tell somebody to join us tomorrow. Jump online or come in person and join us soon. Next series coming up. Join us for Easter. We are better together. Be blessed. God is with us and find a way to be less distracted. Quit trying to multitask. Stop multi-switching everything and just focus on a few things that God has called you to do and to be and then be your best at that a lot better life a lot better for you and everybody around you let's be focused let's stand let's sing a song